Hey folks, how are you? Welcome to Funding the Performing Arts Podcast. Uh, my name is Brian Gilbert. Welcome back. Um, this is episode 213. We're going to be specifically targeting finding some answers to your most commonly asked questions, at least the questions that we get asked at Fans Raise. Uh, for those of you not familiar, I'm the founder and CEO of Fans Raise, and we are an online crowdfunding platform designed specifically for the performing, marching, pageantry, stage arts. Um, we tend to work with quite a few uh, high school and collegiate and nonprofit performing groups like marching bands, drum corps, indoor color guard, indoor percussion ensembles, uh, vocal ensembles, uh, theater, stage, drama, uh, so there's a big umbrella there that, that this falls under. So before we get rolling today with episode 213, uh, we've been a little dark recently on social media, uh, running a very small organization like ours. Uh, you know, much everything uh, begins and ends with me and my direct efforts every day. So when you see a drop off in Facebook posts and, and blogging and podcasting, um, it's generally due to the fact that I'm, I'm not doing it. So, then uh, there's a reason for that. So without being too maudlin, uh, or too, uh, too dark and melancholy, uh, my mom passed away a little more than a week ago and she had been battling cancer for a, uh, a short period of time, I guess, uh, relatively speaking, uh, it was only, uh, late winter when she confessed or confided uh, in my sister and I that, that uh, she'd been away from some medical care for a while. She had some things going on, wasn't sure what it meant. Um, she had a, a scheduled appointment to go see someone. Uh, they do a biopsy and uh, comes back, unfortunately, cancerous. And uh, it, it was a, a pretty anxious couple-week wait until they could get her in for surgery. And it was a pretty significant surgery. And... Uh, you know, she actually ended up coming out of the hospital into a rehab facility for about a week, and she was home for about three days and then took a turn, ended up back in the hospital, spent a week on a ventilator in ICU, and then completely bounced back uh, in, a, in a miraculous way. And uh, we had more than a few doctors use the term miracle um, as she uh, rallied. Um, if you do any kind of research or... Uh, studying up on cancer patients and extended cancer care, uh, and even end-of-life things. Uh, there's typically, uh, in a lot of cases, like a last-ditch effort, a rally uh, toward health where you think your, your loved one might be turning the corner, might be uh, you know, picking up and, and uh, getting better. And it was pretty short-lived. And uh, you know, about a week or so after that, she, she unfortunately passed away. So why do I bring this up here? Not just to bum you all out, but it actually has a direct linkage to fans raise. So my mom was one of my big supporters growing up, actually, you know, as a total band geek, band nerd, drum corps kid. Uh, she was not the kind of band mom that would come to meetings and not the kind of band mom that would like you know, show up at all the competitions wearing the shirt. She came to competitions. Um, she was a quiet, in the background kind of band mom, um, but definitely fiercely 
uh, supportive and uh, an advocate for the things her kids wanted to do. Uh, my younger sister and I were really, really lucky in that the high school that we went to was was excellent on, on any level by any uh, scale of description. Just a tremendously competitive, successful high school music program, uh, marching band, all the concert bands, the uh, indoor drum line and color guard my sister and I both participated in. And it was funny, my mom was always, um, you know, the money part of things always uh, interested her. And she was really one of the one of the ones that uh, when I was in a job search, I sat down with her and was kind of filling her in on interviews I was going on and things I thought were working out and, and turned out not to be. And uh, you generally kind of uh, served as a support system sounding board for when I was starting to get down and frustrated over things. You know, she was just like, you really have to think about what you want to do and what you want to be. And, you know, what kind of what kind of function do you want to serve? Uh, who do you think you can help? And my mom is a very generous, very giving um, type of, of individual that would support a lot of different causes that she believed in. And I, can't, I approached her with the idea of fans raise back when, you know, months and months before I even took action on it. And explained what I what I thought we could do what I thought the opportunity was and she said well look starting up a business like that uh, is definitely worthwhile but you're going to need money to do it so I talked about different ways to, to raise the money uh, you know putting business plans together and going to pitch uh, potential business partners and, and advisors and uh, she said well to get started you know you've got an inheritance coming your way and you can't take it with you so uh, why don't you borrow against that inheritance? So that's that was originally the uh, a part of the seed money that that started fans raise up. Uh, you know, something she really believed in. Um, she's a, a small business entrepreneur uh, at heart, and uh, you know, really thought that there was value in what we were trying to do, and was really really interested. Even sick in the hospital, uh, there were some days where she was sort of in and out of it. Um, she was always asking how the company was doing, how the group's doing. Uh, so my mom, different kind of band mom, um, but but every program needs those parents that they may not necessarily outwardly, uh, you know, carry pit equipment and sew flags and uniforms and drive uh, vehicles, but there's a whole other strata of band parent that are just the ones that are just got the kids back. And if you need a, a ride or your friends need rides to that extra rehearsal, don't worry about it. We'll get it covered. Uh, and I think in, in a lot of ways, those are probably the more important uh, backbone parents to, to have in a band booster organization. Just the ones that uh, are unsung and just kind of do their thing. And that uh, when the going gets tough, you can rely on them. So that was just a quick word about my mom. Um, you know, we're, we're, we're getting on pretty good. Uh, my two daughters, you know, being team teenagers or semi teenagers anyway, uh, are, are taking it well. Uh, they were very close to their grandmother. So, um, so we're going to go ahead and, uh, and get rolling on the, uh, on the day here. So we're going to do this in the form of an answer bag. 
And what I want to do is just take four questions that we tend to get in pretty high rotation. Uh, questions either via email or uh, questions via our, our chat bot on our, our website. Very useful, by the way. Uh, we get a lot of questions, not only from new perspective questions from people from the outside looking in but also new prospective band directors and ensemble directors and band booster presidents and treasurers that are looking for a way to 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 make it work financially so first question is how big a group do i need to put on a decent crowdfunding campaign and this is one of those questions that uh, gets asked a lot of times by smaller groups, and and it's funny. I'll I'll sometimes get a call or an inbound email, and I'll you know we'll make contact and and say yeah we just have a small band. I, I was just kind of wondering, uh, could you work with us and ha- what would it look like? And I'll say all right, well you have a small band. How you know what 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 kind of numbers do you have to work with? And they'll say oh we're just small. We're only about 180. <laughs> and I laugh um, because 180. Uh, here on the East Coast, in the Mid-Atlantic, where I'm located, that's a pretty darn big band. And it's all relative. Now, I guess if the school districts around you are all at 400 in their marching band and you're at 180, yeah, I guess you feel small. But uh, I think over the over the uh, the broad landscape, that still comprises a pretty big band. So uh, everything, short answer, big or small, it really does not matter. Crowdfunding is still an excellent option regardless of what size group you have. And the reason it works is it comes down to proportion. So at the center of our fans raise system, the whole mindset or the model that we use, it's a student-driven campaign, meaning that the kids are put in the driver's seat. So what we typically have done uh, and will continue to do is we ask each student or each member participant in the ensemble to submit a number of emails to the platform. And those emails are in the form of first name, last name, email address of neighbors, aunts, uncles, coaches, favorite teachers, uh, people in the community, uh, you know, people from the sports team, people from youth group at church. Uh, 20 is really the goal. Uh, we find the best success there. Um, I know sometimes we'll get kids that only can manage to put in eight or 10 or 12 contacts, but they'll end up getting 8, 10, or 12 donations of reasonable size, which uh, if you have a group that has a high batting average, if they're only going to put five contacts in, but they get five donors, that isn't that isn't a disappointment by any estimation. That is success in that that, that individual sat down and really thought purposefully about who would donate. So um, we, we kind of let organizations call their own shot with that. We suggest 20 emails per, per student or per member, uh, but understanding that that's not always possible. Those email addresses are locked down in our system. Uh, I can't even log in and see them. They're held uh, very, very securely. And the only person that can see those email addresses are the student member participant that has entered them. Uh, and those are only used for the purposes of this singular campaign. So let's say, uh, just as an illustration, 40-member marching band. That's pretty small, right? 40-member marching band considers thinking about a, a crowdfunding campaign with fans. Right? So if you look at 40 kids in your band, and each of them submit, let's say, an average of 16 contacts per member, 
All right. And let's say each of those members out of that list of 16 turns up five donors from their list of 16. And five, uh, five out of 16, that's probably about right. Maybe a little on the low side, but it's conservative. So if we use an average of $30 per donation, and that's actually a very low number on average that we see, uh, that means that each member would develop five donations of $30 each, which would be each member is bringing in the revenue equal to $150 of, uh, in donations. So that would end up being a $6,000 campaign if it held to those averages across the entire group. So the question becomes, is $6,000 enough of a big deal for a 40-person marching band to get excited? I would say yes, because six grand, uh, even if you're uh, a band of, of 250, $6,000 is real money and can certainly be put to use in a lot of different ways. So uh, I think when you scale it and you right-size your goal and your expectation, I think even small ensembles can can do really, really, really well. We actually, this past uh, winter, we had a 30-member indoor, high school indoor drumline out of Houston, Texas, generate uh, just under $12,000 in about three weeks' time uh, and that's 30 kids. So 30 kids generated almost 12 grand in a very short amount of time. So I would say if you can get the best out of your kids, get them excited, get them to put a, a full effort forward, uh, your, your group can do really, really well. So next question will be, and I'm outside. So if you hear ambient nature noises outside, you know why I'm having some work done uh in my home office and 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 upstairs of my home office which is causing it to be very very loud so uh don't mind the nature documentary going on behind me all right so the next question is how long should a campaign last so uh this again really depends on the goal and the type of campaign that is being tackled uh, i think that in a lot of cases less is more and I think that if you set a campaign up with a finite start, eight, start date excuse me, and end date, your results are ten, generally going to tend to be better. And I also think that fundraising campaigns that just go on and on and on and on forever become annoying and they fatigue your, your, fa your families and your students. And generally, you just want to get in, do the good work, and get out. And, and everyone generally tends to be happy. So I think... It really depends on the group. It really depends on uh, the the size of the of the group and also the size of the goal. So if you're trying to fundraise a hundred thousand dollars, I don't care how large your organization is, how aggressive they are. Hundred grand is just going to take a while. So having that start date and that end date really helps create urgency, and it really helps motivate donors using a psychological effect that we have uh, blogged about. And actually had webinars about the psychology of donor uh, donor psychology, something called immediacy bias. So if a potential donor perceives your need as urgent or extremely time sensitive, that invokes a different level of emotion to actually bring the donor into a uh, or bring the contact into more of a donor mentality, into more of a donor mindset. So. Uh, the end date creates urgency, it becomes time sensitive, it becomes a big hairy deal. So if you frame your campaign with a start and an end date, 
uh, that will certainly work well. Now, uh, in terms of how long, I would generally tend to think that uh, short, smaller campaigns, I would say anything under a $10,000 amount would probably be able to cycle through in two to three weeks. Things that are above that, uh, say like $50,000 may take a couple months. Things that are $100,000 and above, that could take six months to a year. It really depends on a lot of different factors. And those factors um, probably would make sense if you want to reach out to us uh, at info at fansraise.com. We can schedule some time and um, you can bounce the, the campaign variables off of me and I could uh, generally make a better educated guess. But at the end of the day, it still is a guess. So um, next question, biggest mistakes. What are overall the biggest mistakes that you see when working with groups and campaigns? So uh, the, the, the generally the, the typical big mistakes that you want to try to avoid have to do with expectations uh, these become probably a little bit more mechanical. So expectations in terms of um, what you're expecting from the kids. So it, it is generally not always realistic to expect an 100-person marching band. Each student is going to be able to develop $5,000 of donations, uh, you know, in and of themselves. So 100 kids, 5000 each. You know, hey, that's a half a million dollars coming our way. Put it in the bank. We'll get there. And that's not uh, realistic. Um, but I often find that organizations that have supreme support and complete buy-in uh, from the organizational director or the executive sponsor or the, or the chief uh, Mrs. or Mr. in charge, uh, really are the, those are the uh, ensembles that do really, really well. So if you take a typical marching band in a high school, a lot of times the band director is that chief executive, okay? They're the one that, that runs the show. They hire the staff. They pick the show or at least coordinate the show. Um, they're, they're setting up schedules and competition dates and deciding on band trips. And they may do this with buy-in and committees and things. But at the end of the day, that's the 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 person whose name is, is really on the dotted line for the whole ensemble. So if you have a band director that chooses to remain removed or extricated from matters relating to fundraising, then you're going to be limited. And the reason for that is the students, if, if it's a big deal to the band director or that, that, that chief person in charge, the students get that and they immediately pick up on it. So if you've got well-intentioned and generally well-resourced band directors that are um, willing to dish this off to a, a band booster to run a campaign, be prepared. You're probably operating at suboptimal levels, okay? And that's not a knock on the boosters uh, whatsoever. But I think even the most stalwart boosters would agree that when the band director says jump, the kids say how high, and in some environments, depending on the competitiveness of the program, the band director could be, in, in a lot of ways, supplanted by the caption head, whoever runs the percussion section or the drum line, whoever runs the color guard program, okay? The kids take more, will take more day in and day out constructive feedback uh, and critique from the caption heads as opposed to the head band director. 
Um, doesn't mean the head band director is not in charge. Doesn't mean that the band director still doesn't, you know, carry supreme weight. But instructionally, those kids are programmed to to take uh, instruction and direction from the educators, not necessarily the boosters. So bear that in mind. Take that with a grain of salt. We've actually produced talking points in how to essentially, quote unquote, sell the campaign to the students and how to get them really viewing their role as extremely important when it comes to uh, putting, putting a successful campaign together, all right? The other thing that we also see is that campaigns, they work really, really well when they're super specific. They also can work really, really well when they're very, very general. It's the ones that are in the middle that are unclear either unclear exactly what the money is going to go to or what the funding is going to benefit or how it's going to be used, that's when things get a little squishy. And that hazy, nebulous middle ground, that scary middle part is where you don't want to be. So it's okay to have a very specific capital campaign with uh, a request that says, hey, we're raising $60,000 for a trailer. I get it. Everyone else will get it. Um, They know what it is. Once the trailer arrives... It's a tangible item that they can point to. Donors will also be equally receptive to a very clear, concise, honest, and earnest request for help us offset our operating budget. This is our annual giving campaign, and your, you know, our ability to raise fifteen thousand dollars means we'll be able to put the program on the field and offset costs of operation, including travel, instrument repair and maintenance, blah, 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 blah. So you can be very general. You can be very specific. Just understand what you want to be and then own it. (laughs) Um, And then lastly, as a mistake to avoid, is really overlooking what student involvement and student engagement could, uh, could bring to the campaign. And I think one of the things that really makes the Fans Raise platform the most successful way to go about this is that we've built the structure into the system where the students are invited. It's the student's responsibility to develop their contact list. It's the student's responsibility to think mindfully of why are we raising this money? What's it going to? How much? What's my part in all of this? And I think that Uh, When kids realize that their behavior and their engagement can be monitored and we can see how many contacts they've entered, we can see how many of those emails are actually getting delivered and opened, we can see the donations coming through. Um, If you can measure it, you can get it improved. And I think that that's really doesn't just apply to overall business. I think it really applies to a lot of different things. So if your kids see it as a big deal, uh, from your staff, uh, from your leadership, then the, it be, guess what? It suddenly becomes a really big deal. All right, so last question I will handle in this shorter form episode today is, and this comes up probably two or three times a month. And that question, is, the first time it was asked of me, I actually got a little insulted and a little defensive. And that's that's my baggage. That's my fault. No one else really needs to worry about that. But, you know, why wouldn't I just do a GoFundMe crowdfunding campaign? And obviously, GoFundMe, they're huge. They're a household name. And I think that it's, it's a logical question. And I used to get really 
ticked off when it would be asked of me. But now I just kind of roll with it. It's like, yeah, you could you could do a GoFundMe campaign and pay little or no fee for it. So you don't have to worry about you know any percentage of your fees coming off the top. But GoFundMe has severe limitations. Uh, I've heard they have just recently launched a team aspect to crowdfunding, which is really something they've been lacking. Uh, it's kind of laughable. It's, it's really taken them this long. Um, but I, I've heard varying things and what it will and won't allow and what it will and won't will not track. So uh, what does a standard GoFundMe campaign look like? Well, it's pretty straightforward. It's just a self-created donation page built from a template that you then have to decide to email yourself singularly, contact by contact, or you can share it on social media. So that would sound pretty logical. You know, I've got hundreds of friends on Facebook and all my kids and parents, they have hundreds of friends on Facebook. So the donors are there, right? Why wouldn't we just do that? Well, if you think, if you share things on Facebook, you think they're getting viewed, you'd be sorely disappointed. On average, uh, approximately 16% of any one particular person's Facebook friends ever see posts that they share. And that's due for a lot of reasons. It's due for, um, you know, changes in the algorithm. It, it has to do with, uh, depending on when they, you establish your page and connection to somebody else as a friend, it has to do with some of the defaults that are baked into different profiles. It also um, has a large part due to the algorithm or the rules that Facebook sets up on how someone's individual newsfeed is constructed. So I've seen numbers as low as 10% and as high as 20, 22%, but it probably comes in somewhere around 16% of Facebook friends actually see the stuff that you post. And, you know, we... We we also include social integration, so you can easily share your Facebook posts from within FansRays. But what we offer that they don't is a captive email marketing system that we take those student contacts that are contributed by your kids and we uh, we aggregate together an email marketing list that can be personalized by student. So uh, we send on behalf of the student. The email looks like it's coming from directly from the student. The student's name, the donor's name, and the organization name can be called into play for the subject line and the salutation of the email. It can be contextually generated. Um, it's it's just a, a, a different way to deliver the information, and a lot of pe- people tend to think, oh, no one reads email anymore. Well, they do, and it works. And we can uh, look at data that shows us open rates and click-through rates, um, and we can really track the source code when somebody donates. So we can we see the data and we can uh, make optimization adjustments and really tweak things so that uh, it's a much more reliable way to promote a campaign. And guess what? Do email and social. You don't have to just do social, but you're missing the boat tremendously if you don't do email. And really, when you when you think about it, the fee that FansRaise takes is small. It's basically a tip in a restaurant. It's 15%. So in most campaigns, 15% of your total donations isn't a giant number, and it generally comes down to just a handful of additional donors. Well, we generally can track dozens and dozens and dozens of additional donors that a social-only campaign, like a GoFundMe campaign, would not be able to develop. So I think that the advantages far outweigh the relatively small tip or the fee that, that FansRaise takes on every every donation. So 
Um, you know, I think that GoFundMe being a, a free or mostly free platform these days, uh, they monetize their site a lot of different ways. There's a thousand different ads. I just donated to a GoFundMe campaign uh, for a family here in our community that recently lost their, their father. Uh, and I was astounded at the different emails I've received uh, after the donation has been processed. And my, my relationship should be pretty much done with that campaign. Uh, but the ads and the sponsored stuff I see is, is, is a, bit, a little bit of a turnoff, I don't mind saying. So uh, we put the emphasis on student involvement, student ownership. We ask the kids to own it and to get right involved and engaged. And I think that's generally where a lot of teachers and educators and frankly, parents want to see their kids. They want to see them stepping up to the plate a little bit and maybe taking on a little bit more responsibility. So um, those are, are really the four, uh, I guess, questions du jour that we've been experiencing a, a somewhat high volume of, of questions on. And always happy to, to work those into to different things like blog posts and videos and blog um, and podcast content. It's all good. So we are staring down the barrel of 4th of July. Uh, it's hot. Uh, it's well over a hundred degrees on my back deck, but I'm in the shade and, uh, I am beginning to melt. So we're going to go ahead and wrap up this episode, uh, of funding the performing arts podcast. Be sure to, to subscribe, please do us a favor. Uh, and also if you want to pop over to fansraise.com, hit the blog, Go ahead and check out the blog. There's just some tremendous stuff over there. And we profile some high-performing campaigns. We talk about best practices. We talk about basically how to run your performing ensemble, your, your performing organization better and more efficiently. Uh, there's just not a lot of opportunity out there to, to, to stress some of those. And uh, I think we're, we're starting to develop a real following. So I thank you for subscribing, keeping track of, of our blog, our podcast. Uh, anything we can do, please hit us at info at fansraise.com and follow us on social media at fansraise everywhere you do that social media thing. 